Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mojo Sports AFL Show. I'm your host, Callum Dunk, and I am so proud to bring this podcast to you. Uh, we've got a couple of panellists today joining me on the show. We have Jake and Nathan. I'll let, get the boys to introduce themselves uh, in just a little bit of time. But if uh, you're finding us for the first time, uh, the Mojo Network does podcasts for NRL and lots of other sports around the country. So make sure that you listen in to some of our great podcasts and make sure you go and follow us at our Instagram, which is Mojo Sports AFL for amazing content in the future. My name is Callum Dunk. I'll be your host for the show. Uh, My background in sport is that I did a sports degree at Flinders University in South Australia. uh, And after I finished my degree, I was able to get a job at the club that I supported as a child, which was the Port Adelaide Football Club. I had a great opportunity to work in the China team as well as the community programs team, going out to schools and teaching kids about healthy lifestyles. Unfortunately, I lost my job due to COVID in March of 2020, and then I decided to move into a teaching degree, and I'm very fortunate now to be in a teaching uh, position here in the western suburbs of Adelaide. Uh, that's enough from me. I'll let the boys introduce themselves. So, Nate, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, mate? Yeah, g'day, guys. Uh, I'm Nathan Jennings. So I'm a born and bred Adelaide boy, uh, but currently living in Perth, um, similar to um, to Ben. So uh, I've got a, um, a a sports management background um, and currently work here in Perth with the uh, WA Institute of Sport. Um, and probably like all of you guys at home listening, uh, I am a footy nuffy and um, a diehard Adelaide Crow supporter as well. So um, probably some outrageous uh, Crow statements might be coming along uh, during the season. So bear with me when they do come out, please. Awesome. And uh, Jake, uh, your turn to introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, so I'm Jake. I'm from uh, yeah Melbourne. I follow the Bombers. Uh, keen supporter, just love the footy, currently doing building and construction. And I'm just recently taken up a job at a high school coaching uh, year seven, so coaching them AFL. So it's all exciting stuff this year. Awesome. And unfortunately, uh, one of our panel members, Ash, uh, won't be able to join us for tonight's preview show, but uh, he will be joining us in future weeks. And you may have seen his content on Instagram or it will be coming out very, very shortly. Now, boys, uh, it's all that time of the year where, you know, round one's just about to kick off. Uh, The cricket's done. The Aussies got done in India. um, But it's time to turn our attention to the footy. So I've asked the boys to rank the teams from 1 through to 18. Um, and then from there, we're just going to be talking about, you know, who we think is going to rise up the ladder, who's going to slide a little bit, which rookies you should look out for besides Will Ash- Ashcroft, um, and lots, lots more. So, uh, Nathan, I'll get you to go first with your top eight and your bottom four, please, mate. Perfect. So my top eight, I think I've got a clear top four within the top eight. So I've got uh, Brisbane, Melbourne, Geelong and Richmond uh, in no particular order being my top four for the year. I don't really see that changing too much in my eyes. They're the strongest four teams in the competition at the moment. Um, And then I've got Fremantle, Sydney um, holding their spot in the eight and then Carlton and the Crows. uh, I've already started, um, but being the two teams that jump into the eight that weren't there last year, um, I reckon with their lists and the the jump that we think they might take this year, they will jump into the eight in my eyes. Um, And then the bottom four, I've got North Melbourne, I've got West Coast, I've got Hawthorne and Essendon. Um, I reckon... Probably those four teams, in my eyes, again, are quite clearly the four worst. Um, we'll go through that later. But, you know, in regards to list profile especially, I think they're in a bit of a development phase at the moment and uh, we'll probably see them down the bottom of the ladder again. Awesome. Um, I feel like there's a lot of uh, discussion points with, with your top eight, particularly with the Crows uh, sneaking in in your eyes. A bit of a bit of team bias. bit of team bias there, uh, Nathan. Yeah, look, I, I am a little bit biased, but I'm also quite optimistic about their chances this year. Um, in my eyes, their list list profile is ready to go bang. Um, I, I believe they've got a, one of the top forward lines in the league, adding in uh, Isaac Rankin and the development of uh, players like uh, Darcy Fogarty, 
And also Joshua Shelley will sort of really give them that level of excitement. And they've got a real scrappy midfield. I think their game's going to be based a lot around pressure um, and ball movement pace, uh, which I think the, is the trend of the league at the moment. So I really can see them taking the step. There's obviously another couple of teams in that bracket with them, but I've sort of given them the nod over a Collingwood, Bulldogs, Port Adelaide sort of sure. a team. Well, um, I think, but that probably that seventh and eighth spot really could go either way. I think mm. there's a number of teams in that. Spot. Yeah, I agree. And Jake, would you like to run us through your top eight and your bottom four, please, mate? Yeah. So in, in no particular order again, for my top four, I've got Demons, Lions, Geelong and Fremantle. I think Fremantle can sneak into it this year. Uh, the Swans, Tigers, Carlton and then Collingwood finishing out the top eight. Uh, bottom four, I found the 16th to 18th fairly easy, uh, Eagles, North, and Hawthorne. But I found that the 15th, the fourth, you know, bottom team, I found that kind of hard to discuss. Uh, but I ended up, ended up going with uh, the Saints. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so I'll run through my top eight and the bottom four as well. So I've gone with Brisbane, Melbourne, Carlton, Richmond, Geelong. Yeah. Sydney, I'm not sure whether this is going to come back to bite me later in the seasons, but I'm having yeah. faith that Port Adelaide will bounce back into the top eight. So yeah. I've done a bit of a bit of a Nathan here. Um, and then I've actually got Gold Coast in my eighth position at the mm. moment. Um, I feel like if this is not the year that the Suns get into that top eight, um, I'm really nervous, really nervous for him and, and really nervous for uh, Stewie Jew. So... That was my top eight. Um, I'm not confident with the the seventh and eighth spots, as you can probably tell, but um, when, particularly when you got teams like Collingwood and Fremantle who made the top eight last year sliding out, um, and the Bulldogs as well sliding out as well. So we know on average that 2.8 teams per year change within that top eight um, since it's become a 10-team, uh, sorry, 18-team competition. So, yeah, it could be really interesting. In terms of my bottom four, um, I've gone with West Coast at 15th, North Melbourne at 16th, Essendon at 17th, and I think Hawth- Hawthorne will be uh, the wooden spooners this year. Don't like that they've traded a lot of their experienced players in O'Meara, uh, Mitchell and Gunston. I feel that um, it will certainly fast-track their rebuild with the draft picks that they'll get. Um, they picked up some really nice uh, players in the draft, uh, particularly Cam McKenzie, um, who I think will be starting in a lot of super coach and fantasy uh-huh. teams. Um, but, yeah, I feel like they're going to have a really rough year on the field and it just kind of doesn't make sense to me that they pick up a free agent such as Carl Amon and then um, get rid of Gunston, Mitchell and... Um, O'Meara as well. So, boys, what what do we think about what we've predicted so far? Um, I think you know those top six teams are pretty, you know, around the sort of mark. I think everyone's yeah. pretty much got Brisbane, Melbourne, Carlton, Richmond, Geelong, um, and Sydney to to some extent in their top eights at the moment. But it's really those seventh and seventh and eight spots that's. Just like uh, I'm not sure yeah. about that one. It, it it could come off and look really good this uh, by the end of the season, or it could be egg on your face type scenario. So, uh, Jake, what are your thoughts based on um, some of the top eight predictions? Well, I think with teams, well, such as Carlton, you don't really know. Uh, well, I think you had them, you had them pretty high up on the ladder. Um, I mean, they could finish as high as fifth. They could finish as low as eighth. I mean, you don't, you just don't know based off what happened last year. Um, as you said, with Gold Coast, personally, I have them finishing 10th. I think just another year of growth. They get Ben King back from not having him last year. Um, and, yeah, I, I think I think next year would be Gold Coast year, but I think this year you still need to see uh, the improvement that we kind of saw um, at the start and in patches last year. I think people are just getting impatient with the Gold Coast. Yeah. You know, you can see the talent there, but it's more about them just bringing it together consistently week in, week out. So um, hopefully they've done some work on the off season, you know, um, got those young players fitter. You know, I'd love for Matt Rao to take that next step as we saw in his first, you know, three or four games of AFL footy back in uh, 2020. So 
Him expecting Noah Anderson to take it to another level this year, getting King back is massive um, to their chances. And I think their forward line now with King, Chole and Casbolt looks really dangerous. And um, Wits is one of the premier ruckmen in the competition. You know, uh, we spend a lot of time talking about Max and and Brody um, and even Tim English and Royal Marshall to an extent, but... I think that Jared Witts is probably a top four, top three yeah. ruckman in the comp. So, yeah, I'm I'm bullish on on them for the for 2023. But um, Nathan, did you have any particular thoughts that you'd like to add, um, particularly with any of the bottom four sides? Yeah, I think just briefly touching on your Gold Coast Suns point, I think the the three pronged sort of forward line is becoming quite popular across a lot of teams. And I think you yeah. saw what uh, Chole and Casbolt did. Last year being, you know, brand new pairing and you add Ben King in there, who's a easily a 50, 60 goal a year player. Um, and especially returning from a knee. I think that's a really, really interesting, um, team that could, um, you know, emerge as a, as a real top eight contender. I think probably the one for me is you mentioned Hawthorne and. I'm not saying they're going to be a really, really good team this year, but I think we sort of saw glimpses last year of what Sam Mitchell as a coach is about. Um, and he's not necessarily about losing. It's, it's very much a rebuild phase that they're in. But, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, uh, Cam McKenzie, but also guys like James, James Warpole and uh, John Newcomb, real mm-hmm. players through the midfield, they get it done. Carl Amon's a really classy player out of the wing. And then you've got someone like James Sisley at the back, captain as well this year. Um, they they have the pieces, I think, to be a, a good team. I've sort of got them in the r- roughly in the five or seven win range this year, I think. And they're going to be the sort of team that's going to be really hard out. Um, yep. I don't think it's going to be easy. I do see them sort of fading and getting like quite tired towards the end of the year and dropping games that they could potentially win. But yeah, there's nothing to sort of say that they can't, you know, really take it to some of the top teams this year, I think. Um, and, and then probably the other one is West Coast, um, you know, being in Perth, oh, yeah. West Coast media about them as well. Um, and they're talking themselves up. They really, really are. And I sort of look at it and go, they're relying on a lot of old players to come back um, from injury and be just as good as they were two or three years ago. Um, the likes of Yo, Sheed, Shuey, and even the back line with, um, you know, Shannon Hearn and McGovern and Tom Barras as well. They're really relying on a lot of their older guys that have had a lot of health issues to um, fire for them. And I think that's quite quite um a dangerous position to be in and especially then they're looking to blood a lot of young kids first of three you know one to three year players um uh the return of oscar allen a lot of reliance on those young kids as well so i think there's a lot of hype around west coast potentially being a team that could push the eight i don't quite see it but um you, you know that's a really really interesting team to watch throughout the year as well yeah i think with the west coast um it's really hard to get a read on them. You know, they they beat poor in the trial game, but obviously how much emphasis is placed into those preseason matches to, to some extent. Obviously, you know, you've got to play who's in front of you and show up on the day. Um, but, yeah, as you said, there's a big reliance on Gaff, Chewie, you know, those ageing stars who are not what, they once were, unfortunately, from a West Coast fan's perspective. But um, I really like what they did in the draft. Um, I think Gibney's going to be a really good pickup. He was a pick nine for memory. So um, he's one to look out for. Looks really solid. Um, and Campbell uh, Chesser as well. I think he's going to be one to watch out for this year. Um, yeah, but the thing with West Coast is they haven't, I wouldn't say they're properly bottomed out it's not like they've no. got um a massive pool of you know youth talent coming through so I think this will just kind of be one of those eh, years and then when do they actually say right it's time to go down so eventually we can go back up yeah well no. I feel like if I could just say something I think I feel like they're kind of in their Hawthorne phase from last year if they've got those older talent on their team and they're just kind of building up the list through you know, young draft picks and you know picking up some younger talent. Are they gonna? Yeah, as you said, they're gonna move on from a couple of those veterans after this season. But I think for me, I just want Eagles, the Eagles, to make you know the Optus Stadium a fortress again. It make it hard for teams to win down there because it used to be very hard. They used to have a great you know game plan, but now 
you don't want to be known as the easy beats. Uh, so I think that's the challenge for them this year. Let's just quickly touch on the teams that you've got in the mid-table. So I've got Collingwood and Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs dropping out of the A, um, three teams that were in there last year. I don't see Collingwood being as lucky this year. That comment could come back to bite me, but, um, you know, I like what they've done in terms of some of their recruiting. I think Bobby Hill is going to be a great pickup for them, another pressure forward. Um, classy around the goals. Um, I love that addition of Tom Mitchell as an inside midfielder. Um, but I definitely see the Brody Grundy trade and the salary cap issues coming back to bite Collingwood. Uh, whether it's this year, whether it's in the next three years, that trade's just going to come back to haunt them big time. Um, and the Western Bulldogs, they lost Josh Dunkley, their best and fairest from last year. They were able to get in Rory Lobb, but... Um, They've been doing something quite unique in this preseason, and that's playing four genuine key tall forwards. You know, we mm. see teams really going tall in that forward line, but probably playing a little bit smaller down back. But I think at Marvel, it's a it's a great strategy with the roof closed, the fast ball movement. I think you know the dogs could end up getting into that eight spot, even though I've got them just outside at the moment. Um, and the other one that's really interesting to me would be St Kilda. You know, mm. Ross Lyon coming back um, after nearly oh, what's it, 12 years now. So that's going to be an interesting one for me with their heavy injury list at the moment. But, Nate, what are your thoughts on those mid-table um, teams at the moment? Because, um, you know, I had Port Adelaide and Gold Coast inside the top eight, but I feel like for a lot of people, you know, that those are two teams that are going to be in the um, mid-table. Yeah, look, I think 2023, there's a really real chance that we don't see a change in the top eight this year as well from last year. Um, and speaking specifically to probably Collingwood for me, you know, as it's been touched on a lot, nine games last year during the regular season decided within 12 points or less. You know, that's, that's a phenomenal record, but as you sort of touched on, can they do it again this year? But then they went out, as you said, Bobby Hill, great pickup, small forward, real live wire up there. You've got Dan McStay that adds another level, um, or another element rather to their forward line. And then Tom Mitchell sort of adds that, you know, in and under real hard nosed ball getter that they sort of are missing a little bit in that midfield. So. You know, I, I think their additions have definitely improved and they haven't really lost anything of note. We mentioned Brody Grundy, but Brody, Brody Grundy didn't play after round six, I believe, last year. And they yeah. seem to fill the void with Mason Cox and uh, Darcy Cameron quite well last year. As you did say, though, will, will we see a big gap or, you know, them fade towards the back end of the season because they're having to take on that number one ruck responsibility? Potentially. But I really do think Collingwood are that team that people are predicting to slide but could very easily hold their um, hold their spot in the eight. And and just quickly on the Bulldogs as well, I think another underrated loss for them was Lockie Hunter on the wing. Um, he's a great pickup for Melbourne, but I think losing that wing wing role, that really stabilising player on the wing for them will hurt a little bit. Um, and I'm actually the opposite. I'm unsure how that, that really tall forward line is going to work. Um not a massive fan of Rory Lobb, and you've still got the development of Sam Darcy if he does end up swimming, swinging forward as well. So I'm quite intrigued to see how that works. And they've got a lot of ball winners and you know accumulators in the midfield, but can they get the delivery they require to their forward line, I guess, is probably going to be the big question for the doggies. Um, and then last one for me that I'm quietly, you know, intrigued to see how they go is GWS. Now they've sort of flown under the radar. New coach Adam Kingsley, the whole orange tsunami sort of a motto that's coming out of them, I guess. Um, their core is still really good. You look at your Josh Kelly, Stephen Cornelios, Lockie Whitfields, and Toby Green moving into the captaincy. They've really got a good core, and then a couple of really nice young kids coming through as well. So, look, I'm not going to say that they're making the act because I don't think they will, but I think they'll probably do a lot better than team than people do think they will be. Yeah, I would agree. GWS are certainly an interesting proposition, and they don't, um, you know, get the spotlight that they do here in Adelaide or in Melbourne, probably. So or even Perth for, for you, right. Nathan. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, in Sydney, they can sort of slide under the radar a little bit. Um, but, boys, who are you predicting as your premier for 2023 and who do you think will make the grand final? Nathan, you can go first. Uh, yeah, so I've got Melbourne 
um, as my premiers. Look, I think they come back with a vengeance last year. We, we forget they were 10-0 and 0 after round 10, and, and we were thinking how long is their winning streak going to continue? They've added Lockie Hunter, which is a great addition to the wing, um, and they, 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 they now have the best ruck duo in the league, and they're at any one time going to have the best ruckman on the ground, and I think that's a really unique position for them to be in. So I think they're going to be really, really hard to beat. Um, and I've got Geelong as my uh, runners-up this year. I think it's going to be they're going to be a tough team to beat, but you know they re- restocked the uh, the category really, really well over summer, um, and I think they they sort of rejuvenated the squad a little bit where it needed to be to really have another crack at winning a flag this year. But I reckon they might just fall short to a really Melbourne. Yeah, as you were touching on with Geelong, I really liked the pickups of Bruin Henry. Um, and Jack Bowes, you know, they got Jack Bowes and pick seven for taking on some salary. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that trade ends up playing out, considering it didn't cost Geelong anything. And we'll see um, how good pick seven turns out to be. So, uh, Jake, what did you end up deciding for your premier and your runner up for this year? Well, it was definitely the last thing that I looked at because I found it very hard to kind of pick a team but then I ended up going with Geelong I, I think I was talking to um, my mate Flynn who plays for Geelong um, and he thinks Tanner Bruin's been a player that you should look out for uh, next season and I, I think they just kind of stacked up they didn't lose too much in the off season um, and I think they've got two premier forwards in the league obviously Stengel down there I think their back line's exceptional and I think they really found something with you know, playing Dangerfield less minutes, giving the minutes to uh, Atkins inside and just feeding Blitzsides and everything like that. I feel I still think the ruck could be somewhat of an issue, but I have the Lions uh, being runner-up to Geelong as well. I think uh, yeah. this could be the year for the Lions to make it. If they, you know, finish top four, you need to capitalise on uh, your home finals at the Gabba. Yeah, uh, you make some great points about both Brisbane and Geelong there. So I've gone with the Brisbane Lions as my premier for 2023. Uh, I love their recruiting. They got Dunkley. They got Gunston. They've got uh, Will Ashcroft, who was touted as the number one pick for for many uh, months last year, Um, and also Jasper Fletcher as well. So people are really putting their focus in on Ashcroft, but uh, Fletcher is a serious player as well. So I've gone with the Lions to be the Premiers in 2023. Um, And I've gone with Melbourne as my runners-up. I feel like those two will be their prelim final uh, week. Um, But, you know, once you get to a prelim final, anything can happen. So, yeah, I'm definitely backing Melbourne to to bounce back. But um, just how far can they go in September? I love the recruiting of Grundy. As you mentioned, Nathan Lockie Hunter's been good. Um, and Josh Jackie as well. Um, he probably won't be best 22 for him, but he's a really handy player. He can play forward. He can play um, in the ruck. He can also play as a key defender as well. So, And I think having Tom McDonald back will be a big boost for him. So we know that Tom Brown, uh, sorry, Ben Brown, and Tom McDonald were yeah. really good together in 2021. So hopefully um, the Demons can repeat that um, to get themselves back up the ladder. So, uh, boys, one thing that I really want to find out is what team are you super bullish on for 2023? So, Jake, you can go first this time. Which team are you really keen on this year? doesn't mean they have to necessarily yeah. make the A, but which team can we say, yeah, I reckon they're going to do all right this year? Well, I think the team that I'm bullish on is is Carlton, obviously. Like, how do they go and rebound from, obviously, what happened last year with them obviously losing out in round 23 to Collingwood and the way that their season ended? But I also have the team of – I have Port Adelaide. Um, I'm just kind of interested how they approach this season. What's, uh, what's the idea with Ken Hinckley? How does he go beyond this season? How do they integrate, you know, Rioli, uh, Jason Horn, Francis, and just how do they play um, – this season because last season there was a bit of a slide in um, obviously previous season's performances. So I'm a bit interested to see how they go. Don't talk to me about Port Adelaide in 2022, <laughs> mate. Uh, that, that breaks my heart on so mm. many levels. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm quite bullish on Port Adelaide as well. Um, bit of bit of bias there, but um, I don't think they can be as bad as, as last year. Um, 
you know, they do have a tough draw to start the season, but I feel like if they got out of the first five games, two and three, they'd be pretty happy and take that. Um, They've got to win one of the first two, though, either Brisbane at home or Collingwood at the G. Um, If they're two and zero heading into a showdown, um, I'm quite nervous as a port supporter. Um, I've got Carlton as being really bullish on them. I've got Carlton finishing third this year, just with those two key forwards. If they are healthy towards the end of the year, watch out. Seriously, watch out. Um, Their spine is the best, one of the best in the competition. Um, And their midfield has got sensational depth. Um, I think losing Zach Williams will be a big loss for them. Um, Just not playing as a inside midfielder as they recruited him for, but more just that runoff halfback with Adam Saad, which would have allowed Doherty to go up to a wing. So with Doc, um, with Williams going down with that injury, it's probably going to have to get Doherty to come back onto the halfback flank when they were really looking to yep. play him on a wing. So unless they've got a, a, a nice rookie to replace, I would expect Doherty to play across halfback this year. So um, as I mentioned, the Gold Coast as well, Ben King coming back, pretty massive for him. I know they did lose Rankin. Um, but they've been able to pick up a couple of role players, you know, Ben Long, um, Tom Berry as well from the Brisbane Lions. So um, they're a team that you're just yeah. probably going to have to um, see how they're going, you know, halfway through the year to see whether they're still in touch um, and obviously trying to make um, Metricon or Heritage Bank Stadium now yeah. a, a fortress for them is going to be really important. And if they can win you know, nine, eight, nine, ten games at home and then, you know, pinch a couple of wins away, um, it's going to be Final. massive for them. Similar to, you know, every interstate team outside of Melbourne, you know, you win your home games and you can pinch a couple interstate, you know, that's massive for your season. So, um, Nath, which team were you really bullish on? I hope you're not saying Carlton as well. Yeah, look, look uh, I think Carlton's the obvious one for me and I mentioned them before as GWS. Um they're a really intriguing team to me. They've got a really good backline. You know, Sam Taylor, first time All-Australian last year. Isaac Cumming had a really, really good second half of the year. You've got experience with Nick Haynes and, you know, fingers crossed Phil Davis can stay healthy and be on the park for, sure. you know, longer periods of time this year. Um, and their engine room is really, really good. You've got a Josh Kelly and a Cagnilio. Uh, Tom Green, I think, you know, he's really primed for a breakout year. Um, that's obviously a very, you know, used term, but he's looking sure. really, really good in the preseason. Um, and then the X factor for them is, is Toby Green. You know, he, he truly is a game winner and he can break open a game in minutes. Um, and I really do hope that him getting the captaincy this year is something that sort of levels him out and sort of removes some of his childish behaviour, I guess, that we've seen in the past from his game. Um, because I think if he can sort of be unlocked to his full potential, that's really a key for GWS to, you know, remain relevant this year. And I'm really, really excited as well with Adam Kingsley coming across from Richmond. You know, we've seen a, a track record of uh, coaches leaving Richmond over the last, you know, five or so years to then go on to their new club and have a lot of success, obviously, with the game plan that they implement. So I think all of that added up. I've, I'm not saying GWS are going to be making finals and, and winning finals, but sure. I think they're a team to watch out for. Um, and probably, yeah, as you said, you know, Carlton's the obvious one. You know, they've got the uh, last two Coleman medalists. They've got Paddy Cripps with the Brownlow last year. Sam Walsh, who's probably capable of winning one himself. Um, so that, that'll, that'll be a, you know, a team to watch this year as well. And, you know, look, the Crows, I mentioned them before about thinking they're going to finish in the eight. I'm going to keep an eye on them as a, as a keen supporter, but I think they're a team to watch out for and something I'm really quite bullish on this year as well. I might yeah. also add a team as well. Go um, on. Yeah, I might I might just add on the Swans as well. I know they lost the grand final, but the track record, um, you know, since 96, well, I'll go from 2011, the track record for teams that have gotten uh, flogged by 40 in the grand final, um, the, the, after they do that, it's not too good. I mean, the last team, the Bulldogs, they lost the elimination final. The Giants and the Crows, they ultimately missed the finals after losing their grand finals. Uh, the Eagles didn't win a final. So the track record is you obviously you don't win a final uh, or you just don't make finals at all. So I'm keen to see a different situation with the Swans, but I'm just keen to see how they bounce back um, after their grand final. Yeah, Sydney is an interesting one. And I think, um, you know, most people do have them sliding, um, but whether it depends what 
degree you've got them sliding to. So I've got them at six position yeah. at the moment, but you know they could they could completely fall out of the eight, or they could be top four. You just don't know at this point in time, and they're young talent. Another year yeah. of development into their young talent could be seriously scary for the competition. And um, Errol Gooden's game against Carlton in the preseason, that's uh, something to look out for in your fantasy uh, teams. Now, time, there's always a team that slides. So um, I've got Collingwood as my biggest slider. I've got them finishing in ninth position currently. And also Fremantle as well. Um, with Fremantle, I actually don't think they got better in the trade period. Um, they gave up a lot for Luke Jackson, um, and he's going to be a gun for them, no, no doubt about it. But what impact does one recruit have on your team? You know, I know they were able to recruit Jago O'Meara to replace David Mundy, but they lost some really valuable role players. Um, Griffin Logue, Darcy Tucker... Uh, Blake Akers, I can't believe they let him go. And they gave him away for a future third-round pick. So um, those are probably my two biggest sliders. But who have you got seriously sliding uh, this year? Yeah, look, I think for me, out of the eight, I think the Bulldogs will drop out. Whether they slide right down, I don't think so. But, yeah, I'm just – I'm very unsure with their team. Look, it's loaded with talent. But, you know, as we've seen in the past, talent's not always necessarily winning games of footy and making finals. Um, but I think the biggest one for me, actually, that will slide is a, a non-top eight team. I think St Kilda take a really big hit this year. We've obviously seen that they've got a very extensive, um, you know, injury list leading into round one, which straight off the bat is very concerning. And, you know, I did do a little, little bit of a deep dive into their fiction. They don't have the easiest of starts. And I sort of got them around the two and eight, three and seven start um, to start the season, which isn't a good spot to be. And that's without even factoring in how, how long someone like a, a Max King and a memory and those sorts of players are going to be out for. Um, and then they're not winning a game in their last month. I'm pretty sure they're playing Geelong, Richmond, you know, Melbourne. It's like they got the top teams in the last month as well. Um, I don't know what their direction is either. It's a very confusing one. You know, their list is in a bit of limbo at the moment. Uh, they've got some good players like a Jack Sinclair um, as well down back. Really, really valuable. They've got um, Ross back this year as well. So I'm intrigued to see what they do. But I'm just not sold on them. Um, you know, I think it is a good opportunity for, though for Rowan Marshall to take the uh, the mantle as the number one ruckman there with Paddy Ryder retiring. Um but, yeah, St. Kilda's a bit of a head-scratcher team for me, and it's definitely one that I could see really falling away this year. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned St. Kilda, um, and we were talking about the Dogs as well. I actually think Rory Lobb would have been a better fit at St. Kilda than the, at the Dogs. Uh, with Paddy Ryder retiring, you know, Marshall to take most of the ruck responsibilities, but Lobb to play forward and pinch it with King in that forward line. Um yeah that would have been quite a dangerous and potent forward line. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure um, whether Rory Lobb was ever in the in the eyes of the Saints, but, um, yeah, that's an interesting one for me. So, boys, let's move on to Brownlow medal predictions. So who have you got taking home Charles this year? Nathan? Yeah, look, this probably goes against exactly what I've just said about about St Kilda, but there's something about Jack Steele for me. He obviously had a bit of an injury interrupted 2022 um, with his shoulder. You know, I'm hoping that he comes back. He has dropped a lot of weight, so he might be a little bit more of a running midfielder this year, a bit more explosive. Um, but I, I really think that he could potentially have a, like a Gary Ablett at the Gold Coast Brownlow year where he's carrying a team that isn't great grabbing 30 touches and two goals a, a night and sort of leading them to maybe six to eight wins, maybe 10 if they're lucky. Um, but he's that sort of player that sort of has been a little bit up and down with his consistency. So I reckon he could be a really, really good shout this year. The other thing to think about with St. Kewer and a player like Jack Steele as well is that, yes, they might be getting outplayed, uh, you know, most weeks by opposition team, but there's not too many players, you know, week to week that are going to be stealing votes off of him. And I think as we've seen in the past, oh, yeah. you, know, you look about like a Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver, you know, and even a Gorn and Brayshaw and that team to a lesser extent, they're stealing votes off each other every week, which makes it really hard for for, for someone like a Christian Petrarca that probably should and could win a Brownlow going forward to actually do it, I reckon. Yeah, and Jake, who have you got um, taking home Charles in 2023? 
Well, I've got Andy Brayshaw from Fremantle. I'm pretty high on Fremantle this year. I mean, he's only 23 years old. Uh, nearly, if he can bump his averages to 30 disposals, he gets he gets the right amount of tackles. More clearances this year would be a must, I believe. And I think more goals this year as well. He only had the 12 last year. So I think if you uh, tick a couple of those stats up, I think you'll be all right. Uh, they lost Monday, Acres, lost a couple of key players. So I think when you... Really think about it. I don't see many people stealing too many votes from him. Maybe uh, Sarong, I mean, Omira maybe. But, yeah, with Fife moving forward, I think this is the year that Brayshaw can really have another breakout season and put this team on his back. Yeah, well, I'm, I was pretty bullish on Andy Brayshaw last year. Um, I put some money on him prior to the, prior to the yeah. count. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, just got snubbed in those last few rounds. Um, Brownlow for me, I've got Took Miller. Um, and it kind of ties into my prediction with the Gold Coast making the eight. If Gold Coast make the eight, I think Took Miller wins the Brownlow. Um, you know, I don't feel like there's many people to steal votes off him um, at the Gold Coast. Noah Anderson um, would be one that I'd be slightly concerned about. Um, also, Matt Rao, you know, if he, you know, starts really hampering out some good games, he um, would be one to steal some votes off Took Miller. But his running power is unbelievable. He's one of the best two-way runners that I've seen um, in the competition. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty sure he finished on 26, 27 votes yeah, last year. Um, so he's not far away. And Cripps had an outstanding year. So um, took Miller for me. Now, rising star, we're not allowed to say Will Ashcroft because he's probably most <laughs> people's tip for the rising star this year. But... Um, Anyone other than um, Will Ashcroft going to challenge for that medal? Who's who's your person to keep an eye out for? Well, I yeah, think we discussed it before. I've got Cam McKenzie. Uh, I mean, pick seven. Uh, I was reading some of the scouting stats. He was ready. He's a ready-made, uh, you know, a ready-to-go prospect. Uh, he's talented to be a, a pretty talented ball winner. Uh, he's marked at 188, 82 kilos, uh, and he just played in a, a NAB, uh, NAB League grand final, kicking uh, two goals and having 26 touches. So I think if you put him in the midfield with uh, the players that Hawthorne acquired over the draft and through uh, free agency over the last few years, I think you might have a pretty talented midfield um, with Cam McKenzie in it. And Nath, who, who have you got um, as that rookie to sort of watch for yeah, potential got- rising star? Yeah, I've got Ruben Gimby um, from West Coast, as you mentioned earlier, Callum, a number nine pick in the draft. Um, all reports and seeing him play over in Perth the other way, he's got an AFL-ready body and the kid's 18. He's going to slot right into that West Coast midfield, and I think there's definitely going to be opportunities for him in that midfield um, alongside the likes of Yo and Shuey, uh, and especially with those bigger body midfielders more experienced, they're going to get a lot of attention. So I think he's really got the opportunity to, to break free from contests and find some space where space might not be for other players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the other real upside for him, and this is obviously health-dependent as well, is having Having someone like Nick Natanui in the ruck for him and being in that centre bounce and around the contest, having him in the ruck, you know, he, he's one of the best in the league at being able to win the ball and win the ball down to um, his teammates. So, yeah, look, Ruben's really, really exciting. Um, he's going to be a long-term player for West Coast that's going to, you know, win a n- number of best and fairest and and push for Brownlows one day, I think. He's, a, he's quite a special talent. Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on him. I've got him in my fantasy team at the moment, so... I think he's in a lot of fantasy teams. Um, yeah, I like Cecil. Um, I don't know what type of role he's going to play at North Melbourne. Um, he's listed as a as a mid-forward in the fantasy team. So um, hopefully if he can get some midfield minutes, it will boost the points in uh, in my soup uh, fantasy team, which would be nice. Um, and also uh, Bailey Humphrey uh, from mm. the Gold Coast Suns, pick six. Um, with Isaac Rankin, you know, heading to the Crows, you know, there is a spot for him potentially in those, you know, early parts of the year. I know they got Tom Berry from uh, Brisbane to try and fill that void, but um, I feel like Humphrey could come in and, and be really exciting for them. Um, he was one that I was just like, yeah, I really like this kid when um, I yeah. heard his name got called out on draft night. In terms of other rookies to watch, someone who you could put into your fantasy or super coach team, 
Um, I've got Isaac Keeler. He's a South Australian boy from Port Augusta, and he was taken at pick 44 by the Saints. Um, I feel like he might not get many games this year, but um, he could be someone that could come into the lineup um, this year for a few games. Um, He can play ruck. He can play forward. Um, He's quite athletic and mobile as well, um, but how he goes in those um, ruck contests against someone like Jared Witts, um, Brody Gundy, who's a bit stronger um, on a first-year player, might be a bit tough. Um, And a second-year player that I'm really keen on, a Port Adelaide boy, and that's Josh Sin. He only played the one game last year in round two, uh, was very, very close to playing in round one last year, um, but a few injuries uh, allowed him to debut. Um, He had a groin injury for the majority of last year. So if he's um, in Port's 22 in the first few rounds of the year, he would be one to watch um, for your fantasy team. Um, And he's got a super boot left foot. He can kick the ball an absolute mile. He's got a very penetrating kick as well. And I think Port's problem has been kicking inside 50. And I think that's been Port's problem for the last five years. You know, they get a lot of the ball. They get a lot of entries. But making those entries count, and I feel like that's where Josh Sin could be really effective for Port, particularly with Carl Amon leaving. So, um, Jake, we'll hand it over to you for your rookies to look out for. I haven't actually quite looked at it so far, but I do just want to look into um, what North Melbourne's doing as well. I think they've kind of, the way that they've drafted over these last few years, they've gotten, you know, their forward line, their midfield line. I'm just really interested in um, what they're building at North Melbourne with regards to their spine and all the extra players that they have around their key um, players as well, yeah. And Nath, which rookies are you looking out for in 2023? Yeah, I think someone that will probably get a debut at some stage, whether it's round one or not for Essendon, is Alan Davy Jr. Um, you know, I, I think it goes with the territory of being a Davy. Um, yeah. The story of him going to Essendon, I think that's a really exciting addition. And, you know, w- whether it's round one or whether it's at some stage this year, I think, you know, that could be quite exciting and something that re- really rejuvenates that club as well, a bit of a live wire as well. So he's one to watch for me. The two other ones that I've got, uh, both debuted last year. One played more than the other, but I've got Finn Callahan from um, from GWS. I'm, I've spoken about them a fair bit today, but Finn showed a lot in the uh, in the couple of pre-season games and, you know, he might get a really, really good opportunity this year out in the wing and potentially on ball depending on how their CBAs look as well. But I think he's one to really keep an eye out. He did debut last year, but only got a handful of games. But he's one to watch. And I think the other one, and I know that he's a number one draft pick from last year, but Jason Horn Francis, he um mm-hmm. obviously had a bit of a tumultuous, tumultuous year last year, sorry, and uh, has now returned home playing at Port Adelaide. And um Everything that I've seen from him has given me Nathan Buckley vibes from uh, back in the days when he played for the Port Adelaide SAMFL team and even when he was with the Brisbane Bears. You know, the long socks, the short white uh, shorts and, uh, you know, the way that he runs with the ball out of the midfield, really bursting away from packs. You expect it from a number one draft pick, but, you know, I could potentially see, and a lot of people have mentioned this as well, around him being in that All-Australian 40 squad. He's going to get that opportunity in the midfield, I think, and... um, if he lives up to the talent that he showed us before he got drafted, he's got a really, really good opportunity to go bang and really elevate that Port Adelaide midfield this year and try and take him somewhere where they haven't been since, you know, 2021, which is back into the finals, pushing for that premiership, I think. Yeah, I'm really excited about the recruit of Jason Horn francis as a, as a Port Adelaide supporter. Um, when I heard that he requested a trade to Port Adelaide, I was... Um, you know, basically dancing around my living room in happiness. Um, you know, he's just an excitement machine. And I remember just watching his highlights in the SANFL preliminary final against Glenelg when he played for South Adelaide. He was an 18-year-old kid and he nearly, you know, single-handedly won that game off his own boot. I think he had, you know, 25-odd disposals, kicked three goals, probably could have kicked six on the day if he kicked straight. But, you know, if he can, you know, spend decent minutes in the midfield as well as push forward and be a target, um, you know, and get on the scoreboard. You know, there's no reason that an All-Australian, you know, squad of 40 isn't achievable for him. So um, that kind of leads us into surprise All-Australians. So um, what player, doesn't matter whether it's a rookie or a veteran, 
Who do you think could be a surprise All-Australian in 2023? Nath? Um, yeah, look, I'm going a little bit club bias here, but I reckon it's time for Isaac Rankin to really live up to the price tag mm. of being a high draft pick. You know, obviously the Crows paid an absolute premium to get into the club and he's shown glimpses for it for so many years now. And I think, you know, with the environment that he's going to have in the Crows, this is his really good, real opportunity to be that, like that Charlie Cameron sort of a small forward and kick that, you know, 35 to 45 sort of goals um, and be one of the key dominant, um, you know, small forwards in the league. The other player that I've got, um, again, on my theme of GWS is Isaac Cumming. He, um, he had a really, really good, um, back end of 2022. And I think was probably a little bit overlooked by Sam Taylor there last year, who was obviously an all Australian player himself. But I think if he continues to make the leap, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the all Australian 40, if he plays the way that he did at the back end of last season. The, the, the final 22, well, that's always tough, but I think he's got a really, really good opportunity to make that jump this year. And Jake, who have you got um, as your surprise All-Australian for this year? Well, I kind of looked at last year's All-Australians and the half-back line for me. And my surprise All-Australian, if Fremantle have a really good year, I've got Hayden Young uh, being off that half-back line. I, I really love uh, half-backs that have a really penetrating kick. Um, you know, 22 games, twenty you know 23 touches. If he can improve that to 25 really become a key, come into the midfield as well, kind of like a, a crisp almost. He's a really good marker of the football and gains a lot of metres for them. So I think he's really influential for the way that they can rebound from 50. I feel like Hayden Young's a, a, always a good one to put into your multis, particularly if he's yeah. taken the kick out. So yeah. um, if you're into betting, we are looking at doing some betting segments. Uh, I think we're looking at Nate's multi uh, each week. So... <laughs> Uh, or whether we all put one in, um, we'll wait and see. Um, for me, uh, surprise all Australian. Well, I'm not sure whether he'll make the team, but at least squad of 40, I think, is potential for Darcy Fogarty. Um, mm. I really like the look of him at the moment. The back half of last year from him was sensational. Um, two years under the guidance of you know, Adelaide fitness guru Darren Burgess will, I think, do wonders for him. Um, I don't think it will be long and Tex will get shafted as the number one forward. Um, maybe he might get the number one defender for the first four or five games. But if Fogarty really starts kicking some goals, um, I see a lot more attention coming his way. Um, but, you know, it's it's early days for him. Um, I kind of compare him and Todd Marshall from Port Adelaide relatively yep. similarly um, on a similar uh, trajectory at the moment. So both had pretty good years last year. Um, Fogarty more so the back half of last year, whether Todd Marshall was quite consistent all the way through. So um, he's one to watch for me. Now, boys, moving on to our Coleman medalist. I've got Tom Lynch from Richmond to be my Coleman medalist. If he stays fit and plays all 22 games, I think he wins pretty comfortably. Um, I think he missed three or four games last year um, and Kerno was obviously able to to win after taking a, a couple of mm. years off. So, yeah, Tom Lynch for me, um, he nearly won that final for Richmond last year off his own boot. Um, unfortunately, Richmond just didn't kick straight during that final at the Gabba um, and a dodgy... Um, score review as well. So, yeah, I've, I'm pretty bullish on on Tom Lynch from Richmond uh, being the Coleman list for 2023. And I feel like he's been just such a great pickup for Richmond ever since he's come across from the Gold Coast. Um, Jake, who have you got for Coleman medalist this year? Well, I have Tom Lynch as well. I think he is the pick to have – I think I'm, I'm going for 70-plus goals next year. He kicked, uh, you know, 63% uh, goal accuracy, so he knows how to get it through just over three goals a game. And it, 63 goals last year was the most goals he had since 2019, which was his first season at Richmond. And, yeah, he played 25 games then. So, as you said, the health and fitness of him would be key, um, only 19 games last year. So I think if he can have a, a couple of seven-goal games, I think he's really capable of that, especially with how strong uh, Richmond's midfield has uh, gotten. And, Nath, who's your Colin Redless for this year? Yeah, I've uh, I've gone with Jeremy Cameron. I think he um he he he's a great player. He worked another 60, 60 goals last year and obviously worked really well with his tandem with Hawkins, but I think 
Looking at Geelong this year, there's the potential that they may rest some of their senior players in some games that they might think that, you know, they're going to win or whatever the case might be. So, you know, Hawkins is already a question mark for round one. So there might be opportunities during the season to rest him. And we sort of saw how damaging Jeremy can be with Hawkins in the team. So if we think about what Jez could do by himself, whether it's getting balls over the back, being that lead up forward or pushing up almost onto that wing position and being really dangerous with his, you know, 60, 70 metre left foot, I reckon he's a really, really good chance. And his ability to kick goals from the boundary line and be really creative with how he works in that forward 50. Um, I reckon he's got a great chance to win another Coleman medal. Um, and just to touch on your point about Fogarty as well, I'm not picking him to win the Coleman, but I, I agree. He kicked 31 goals in the last 12 games last year. He's 23 years of age, I believe. I reckon he's going to kick at least 50. And I, I reckon by the time, you know, round five and six passes, he'll definitely be getting the number one defender um, every week. And, you know, Tex will sort of have to, you know, slide down that pecking order a little bit, I reckon. Yeah, well, if Fogarty does get the the number one, you know, key defender, what does that mean for Tex, Nath, as a as a pro supporter? Yeah, look, I think probably for, for Taylor, it's his consistency. You know, he, he came out like an absolute bullet out of a gate last year. He was... Uh, sorry, the year before last, rather. Um, you know, his goals per game's right up there. He's kicking, you know, anywhere between two and two and a half goals a game, which roughly gets you the Coleman medal, um, you know, if you're landing on about that 60 to 65 goal mark for the mm. year. Um, but look, you know, he is aging a little bit um, as much as he is one of my favourite players, whether he can do it consistently across, you know, 23, 24 round season. I don't think so, um, but he definitely will be able to exploit defences a little bit more if he's getting a second second string defender as opposed to the number one every single week, I think. Yeah, well... I think I might just add... Sorry, I, I think I might just add, what do you guys expect for... We've obviously had the goals over these last couple of years have kind of dipped a little bit. What do you guys think is an acceptable Coleman medalist, um, you know, goals kicked this year? Well, I'd love somewhere near 100 to be the case, but that's not realistic yeah. anymore with the way that the game's played. I think realistically somewhere around the 65 to 70 mark is a pretty good area for a key forward. You know, if you're kicking 80 goals in a season – um, with the way the game's played at the moment, um, that's almost worth 100 um, in years gone by. So, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, Tom Lynch for somewhere around 65 goals by the end of the home and away season would be um, what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think 70 is out of reach. Well, I think last, it'll be like last year. You do the quick math and, you know, roughly three goals a game will get you around that 70 mark. And, you know, you talk about a player like Tom Lynch as well. You know, obviously he gets the number one defender week to week. But, you know, we're seeing a bit of a decline in someone like a Jack Jack Revolt as well. So does he get, you know, more more um, attention from the, the midfielders when the ball is going into that forward 50? And, you know, then the question around, you know, if Kerner and Mackay are both healthy this year, what's their capabilities of kicking? Mm-hmm. 60 in the same team. I think, geez, if they're kicking 50 or 60 in the same team, Carlton are going to be right up there. But I reckon the 70 is probably around the mark, hopefully, for this year. Yeah, I'm certainly uh, thinking that 70 would be good. But uh, that is the end of our first episode of the Mojo Sports AFL show. It's been a pleasure to give you our thoughts and opinions on uh, the 2023 season. Uh, Thank you to Nathan and Jake for joining me today on the show and I hope you very much enjoyed our opinions. Make sure that you stay tuned to the Mojo Sports AFL uh, Instagram page as well as our other Mojo Sports Network shows. Thank you so much for joining us and Khan the Power in 2023.